Thank you for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast, where we discuss design, innovation, and all things concrete. Hey, everybody, we're back. We're back. We did it. Uh, Caleb's back from the red. Uh, we are. And Chris, say hey to Chris, everybody. Hey, Chris. What's up? Uh, you may recognize Chris, well, you were kind of behind the camera, but you may recognize Chris from our May event. He and his wife, Carly, were uh, photo video team for us at the May event. And um, I have now brought Chris on to the loss of design team as of Monday, which I'm super stoked about. So he and I are headed down to Florida. We got some, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but we got some concrete behind us. Yeah, real um, projects, by see, the way. You can see it in my in my uh, rear view mirror. <laughs> there um, you are. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, got a kitchen island uh, and an outdoor kitchen uh, going going to Florida uh, for uh, a designer that. Uh, yeah, you went silent on me. I don't. I don't. The recording probably caught it, but I didn't catch anything you just said. <laughs> You're like super quiet right now. Um, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. You've been uh, real busy cranking these projects out, getting ready for uh, making space in your class. Oh, there you are. You're back. Now there's two of you. <laughs> two of me? Yeah. At least I I see two. The center one's like a, a, a still image of you, and then and then you're there. It's probably fine for everybody else, but if oh, not, you get, to enjoy, what you get to see um, Caleb twice in stereo. Yeah, well, and so what, what, what happened was I'm on my phone, and I got a phone call. Never God, a good thing. That's it. That's In fact, it. let me turn it on Do Not Disturb, and then perhaps it will not do that again. So, there you go. Okay. Um, cool. What uh, what I had said before it stopped recording. Um, so, hey, everybody, again, uh, if if it doesn't work quite right, we recorded a little intro, and then I got a phone call, uh, and <laughs> so it cut out. But um, uh, I am on my way to Florida. I'm not driving. I got Chris driving. And uh, we're headed to Florida for an install um, for a designer that I've worked with for gosh, five, six years now. Um, and that, that kind of is, you know, one thing I want to just touch on for a sec is that to me is really the bones of, you know, your business development mm -hmm. as an artisan is developing those relationships. Right. So um, this is a, a, a great designer that I've done a lot of work with. I've got work in her showroom. Um, she and I have become friends, uh, and you know, it's just it. When you can be a solution for them and be authentic in that way, I mean, because you know, it's not just hey, give me work. You know, it's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about I want to be a part of you know the world that you're trying to build with your clients. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, having that authentic relationship where uh, we collaborate. You know, her, her kitchen island in her showroom and her table in the back room those were collaborations she's got her handprint in one of them i mean and so um really pressing and that's something that jeff and i talk a lot about in class um which by the way we have coming up uh february 8th and 9th gfrc and uh 12th through 16th we got ultimate um and so that's something that we really push and talk about right i mean it's it's all about the relationships and that's something that's been at the core of what CCI has been teaching for, well, coming on 20 years next year is. This year, Jeff, it's 2024. Yeah, well, there you go. It's I'm, I'm still not used <laughs> to this, right? It's this year. 
coming up this year in technically April, April, like April's when CCI was formed. So, you know, not that long from now, um, you know, it's, it's not about making stuff like anybody can do, make, build a box, watch YouTube, build a box, dump some concrete in it, call it a whatever, right? We right. are not in the business of making stuff. We are in the business of creating solutions and providing emotional value to our customers. Create feelings. Every, you know? it, it's, it's all about the feelings. It's the what concrete makes people feel a certain way. It's a very emotional product and they're very passionate about it. And that's what makes this so unique is every customer, every maker, every designer has a different vision for what they want or what they can do or what direction they want to move into or where they want to experiment. And there's so many possibilities that it just opens avenues up that other, you know, other materials and other, you know, non-professionals, but we'll call them contractors, they can't because they don't have that vision. They don't have that experience. They don't have that feel for the material. Yeah. That, um, that to me brings up another point, Jeff, because, um, you know, some of you listening may be thinking, well, you know, there's a talented artisan in my, in my city. So yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to go out and compete with them or I can't compete with them. Right. right. But my experience with that is that that's not really the case in this industry. It, it's not super, it's a it's not saturated there's not relatively speaking not that many of us right um but b it's not that competitive in the sense that um certainly there are other people in your market right and and there's going to be competition from that aspect but when you think about it like fluid form concrete um unbelievable artisan harvest laser i recommend it's 45 minutes from me, and i've said this on other podcasts but harvest's Though he is phenomenally talented, he's he's everybody as good as I am, um, better at some things, right? And uh, and I think you know I, I would happily recommend him to a client, um, but our styles are different, yeah. And so the types of things that he comes up with in his artist mind are not the same types of things I would come up with, and I think that's what makes this such a valuable thing, because we can happily and and you know I would coexist on a project with him. You know, where it's like he's he's been brought in to do something. I've been brought in to do something. And, um, you know, I think there's even room to that level. Um, sure. I think there's room for more than one artisan. And so, um, you know, in, in a given town. So don't let that be a discourage a discouraging thing. You're going to have talented people in your area. And my my encouragement hope to you as, you know, potentially a burgeoning artist is embrace that. Become friends with those people. And, you know, bounce ideas off each other. Harvest and I have lunch together probably, I don't know, once a quarter, twice a year. Um, and, uh, you know, borrow things from each other. He just borrowed one of my installation carts. I borrowed some pigment from him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a very collaborative relationship. And, um, you know, he and I both value each other very, very highly and value the fact that we're close uh, in proximity very highly. And so I, I think that that, you know, is a little bit different than some other industries. And I encourage you to lean into that. You know, yeah, that, that that approach of collaborating with um, your your fellow competitors, if you will, um, is kind of at the heart of what this industry is all about, or at least the vision we have for the industry. It hasn't always been that way. And it will always have pockets of uh, individualism. But sure. 
we're all in this together, whether we want to, to be or not. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, CCI has been a, in existence for, it will be 20 years. I personally have been doing this for even longer um, since 1999. At the very beginning, not the very, very beginning of this industry, that was, you know, Buddy Rhodes and Fu Tong Chang in the 80s. But in the very early days, it was very isolated. There was no, right. nobody talked to each other. Everything, the techniques were very, well, for one, the techniques were pretty primitive because the the materials that were available were very primitive. Um, there was very little technical knowledge. Uh, that's something that I'm very proud to be able to say that the reason why there's technical information is because of the approaches I took 20 something years ago to start introducing that. It wasn't just pure artistry of playing in the mud and experimenting and throwing things together. Which I think really is why Formworks took off the way it did, right? Because, you know, you had at least 50% of your work was shipped out of state and, you know, you had folks from all over the country coming after, you know, your work. And it really was about the fact that they were engineered. Right. Um, I was doing things nobody else knew how to do. And I could back it up with physical proof, not just words on the internet. And, yeah, and, and, not, and not, not to boast or anything like that, but it, it does take a true technical background to do very sophisticated things. Yeah. That being said, well, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the realm of possibilities that people can do, the things you can do today without having that advanced technical background. I mean, I have a master's in civil engineering, so you don't have to have a, a a degree to do some cool stuff right. because what what the average well-educated student can do it would have been impossible 20 years ago oh i mean i would say even 10 years ago it would the, the types of of pieces that we are as artisans are able to make and and honestly make with relative ease would not have been possible even even 11 years ago when i started right. um which it's crazy to think that I'm I'm into double digits now, uh, as you know, from a career standpoint, it's crazy. That, that's a big uh, benchmark. That's a big. And I'm benchmark. very very fortunate and blessed and 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 you know thankful for the opportunities I've been given, and so many of those opportunities were as a result of you know coming and 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 learning. Um, I surely would have been dead in the water years before now if mm-hmm. uh, if I hadn't really come and, and gained the knowledge, but then. Um, subsequently, like embraced it and and dived further into it, um, mm-hmm. and and I think you know you don't have to have an engineering degree. Although having an engineer in from a like anecdotally in your back pocket is is really helpful. Well, um, that's you know? that's the one unique advantage that every CCI student has that nobody else has is you have access to me. Well, and I would I would say that that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but it seems to me that that is an advantage that is not taken advantage of as much as it's, you know it's I not, think we would expect. It's um, it's unfortunately not, and 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 I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that, and, and this goes back to a long time ago is is the way when we make things right whether we're making a table or a countertop or a wall panel or things like that the 
the physical behavior of things, how your concrete is going to respond, how, quote, strong is it? Because that's something we're worried about. Because we're always like concerned we were about, about soil mechanics right? last week. Yeah, right. It's a bit of a mystery. There's this huge unknown. Like the average person can't figure that stuff out. That's why there are degrees in engineering. I mean, it's not a simple thing. It's not just a rule of thumb or look it up in a table or, or I can stand in front of a, 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 you know, a whiteboard and shorts and a flannel shirt wearing my beard and make it up and just call myself. You can't do that. That's faking it. Right. Well, when, and, when and it was, it's interesting road, though. It, it, it's, you have to have at some level, if you really start to push things, an, a, a true understanding of how the physics of everything work. Well, you made a key point there, and I'm going to call those words out. If you push things, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that you can do with concrete as a material and not push it and get away with a lot of poor practices. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and call that success because you're getting away with all these things that you think are fine. Yeah. You know, maybe you're maybe you're loading your fibers at 1.75 percent instead of two plus. Maybe you are, you know, mixing fibers because that makes it flow better. Maybe you are, um, you know, with no polymer in it. Yeah, because you can get away with it. You're making, you know, a series of small sinks or you're making, um, you know, squares that you trowel or, you know, if you're doing. But but then. The problem is that a lot of people see that and think, oh, well, okay, it's that easy. But then you get into the mechanics of it and you start making, you know, in my case as an artisan, you know, I, I like to make big pieces. And so I'll, I've, you know, I'll make a 21 foot piece. You can't, you can't push the material quite that way. Or we, we made that, uh, that table, which I hope I know all of you have seen it, but um, 16 feet, uh, two eight foot cantilevers, you know, post tensioned. Uh, 34,200 pounds of pressure, um, you know, which is all calculated and, you know, not the first crack can handle 2000 pounds with ease uh, on the dead end of it. And, and again, those are kinds of things you can't fake. And so when you get into the part of this craft where you're pushing the limits of the material, you've got to know where the limits are or else you're going to fail. And, you know, if you post tension a table, it might crack if you don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah, or I, I'm not gonna. I'll go even on a limb. It, it not might crack. It will crack at some point in time. So you, everything what you just said is, is very very, for one, absolutely accurate, very relevant, and it, it's interesting because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. Is when I got started doing this in '99. You know, it was, there, there's a sort of a history of, of about how I got started on the CCI website. So if you're interested, you can go read that. I'm not going to bore you Which, with that. Which, by the way, the CCI website is now faster. Yes, we just we rebuilt the whole bones of it. So um, it's it, and there's more to come. There's, there's more, more to come, to come and we're very excited about it. So to stay tuned. So the state of the industry when I got started was, you know, you're basically using home center concrete, you know, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, go to Menards, wherever, buy, you know, your 5,000 PSI mix or whatever, uh, cast it really thick and probably use steel reinforcing. And there, there there's a, a lot more to that. But essentially, the pushing the envelope was doing something th slightly thinner, like maybe two inches thick. And again, we're, we're 
we're, this is way before GFRC ever entered or any of the, the more high performance concretes ever entered into the market. And the biggest slab most people ever did was maybe eight feet. And a lot of That's that had to I would do, do when I started. Well, for one, if you cast something three, four inches thick, it gets extremely heavy. So trying to move an eight foot long countertop that's four inches thick is, you know, you're moving hundreds and hundreds of pounds of concrete. Yeah. But also because people didn't understand how reinforcing work, you know, they were putting it in the middle, they were pushing it in, they were doing all these basically bad practices that they didn't know about because they didn't know how it was supposed to be done. Concrete cracked all the time. In fact, one of my main designers that I worked with locally. We're still undoing that stereotype. We're still undoing She had um, a nationally recognized and still maybe not so much today, but 10, 15 years ago was a big name in this industry. And she had one of his pieces in his, in her showroom. And it was, it was a vanity, I don't know, maybe five feet long. And it was a good three, three and a half inches thick. I mean, we're talking solid. Now, if I design a piece of concrete that's three, three and a half inches thick, you know, that's only five feet long, you know, you could not physically, but you could park a car on it. Like it's, it's going to survive. Well, it, that, that piece of concrete had multiple cracks through it and not just hairline cracks. Like you dropped it on the ground, you picked it up and you put it back on the countertop because somebody had stood on it. And the state of the art of the back then was we didn't know how to make good concrete. We didn't know what practices were. We well, as in the, the industry as a whole, I did, right? Um, <laughs> and we didn't know how to do reinforcing. We didn't know how it worked. It was just sort of this, you just stuck it in there and it somehow did its thing. So the on the edge of the envelope, where the bleeding edge of the envelope was very, very low, right? Sure. And so the things that were done, concrete was thick and slabs were short and there were lots of seams because those are the only things that survived. The big pieces, the the thin, elegant, long things never made it out of the shop. Mine did, but nobody else's did. Right. And as more and more technology developed, as more and more people started to listen to the fact that, hey, you got to understand structures, you got to understand materials, uh, all the things that I still say that we talk about as are, are important and other people are now picking up on. Um, you can do bigger and bigger things. So now the the edge of that envelope, right, that that pushing the edge is moving further and further away. So the things we can do within that umbrella of safety are more and more and more. I mean, we just did a class, you know, uh, in December where we were casting those, what, almost nine foot tall panels that were seven, six feet of an inch thick. We demolded them the next day. It was no big deal. I mean, that was, that would be unheard of. When I got started, yeah, I was like, next day and pinhole free, thank you very much. Yeah, pinhole free, um, honed them, sealed them, installed them, done, perfect. Well, and you know, I've got uh tops on the on the trailer right now, um, that uh, the island of which we um cast the same way we did the GFRC, which I I want to I want to name that technique because it's newer, um, newer to well, I got I a name adapted, for it, yeah, okay, go ahead, tilt up. Tilt up. All right. I'm here for that. Um, fold up, tilt up, lean up, you know, but, um, you know, and I've done several iterations of this technique. Um, this is by far the most refined, um, mm-hmm. but it, it has allowed me to get a pinhole free finish on six sides vertically. 
uh, without doing the extra form work of, of pouring. Yeah, um, we're going to so be doing it, those, those column wraps that way. Yeah, um, and it's a really, really nice, I mean, it it's, it's, takes the stress out of the, out of the casting of something that's that complex from a 3D perspective. Um, you know, and, and I honed it at, you know, it's, it's direct cast GFRC honed at a hundred grit actually, which I usually do 200, but I was in a hurry and I wanted to expose the aggregate, the sand quickly. There's no fiber, zero, zilch, nada, no fiber showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, no fiber showing, no pinholes, you know, and it's one of those things where when you, when you have been an artisan in all of these different phases, of the craft concrete mm-hmm. movement um you kind of you gain an appreciation for the stuff that makes it easy which is why i you know i mean whether or not i was part of the cci team i would be using alpha pro admix because it gives me all of the versatility of mix uh, but also gives me the the ability to know I mean, I trusted the way I trusted Rapid Set Strength, which was yeah. realistically the entire reason I used Rapid Set for those many years was because um, even though I could make good concrete with a lot of the other blended mixes that were out there, the... Well, I heard you. You, you were just going back and forth. But yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not the recording, so I'm going to have to like combine... I'm going to have to download this and combine clips. Wee. Okay. Sorry. It'll be all right. Um, I turned it on to disturbs so that somebody wouldn't call me and somebody called me again. But um, I don't know what I was going to say. You were I talking love... about Alpha Pro. And, and yeah, the uh, reason why so, you're using CSA. The, so the reason why I was using CSA was because um, the, my early strength was so good that I could trust that even if I was out of the shop, my guys could handle the pieces, even if they didn't have the intimate knowledge of how to handle them as well as I do because of my experience, I could trust that they weren't going to break, right? Right. Whereas with some of the blended mixes that are out there, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the chemistries that are in there cause them to be, you know, weaker. Um, one of them that I used a lot early on, it's almost soft spongy maybe i don't know and so you can polish it you make it gets hard you make it concrete but there was a level of confidence that i didn't have in it which is why i switched 90 percent to um to, to rapid set and now with alpha we're getting those kinds of strengths in that kind of time frame and anecdotally it feels better it's cleaner, it's uh, crisper, it's, you know, the less variability because we're crafting the concrete ourselves. Um, and so there's control over the ingredients, there's control over the proportions. I know a lot of you, if you're using Rapid Set, um, you know, the plasticizer dose is not consistent. And so you gotta, you gotta account for that. Whereas with Alpha, uh, you know, and, and then, as far as the actual use of it from a from a an artisan perspective, you know it it's, it gets really hard, but it's not brittle. Um, you know, there's that's some things that I've heard about some other blended mixes that are out there. Is yeah, they get really really hard. The surface quality is good, but they're really brittle. And so you know you got to augment them with extra reinforcement or 
you know, whatever, just to make them perform the way they should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so that's, that's where, you know, I've chosen to put my trust as a company in the Alpha Pro products because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about costs and, and things like that. Your most expensive element in a project is, is labor, is time, yeah. right? And it's, it's your time as the business owner. It's your employer's time, employees' time for them to do things. Um, but it's not just the time to mix and cast and weigh things out. It's a time to go get ingredients. It's time to go build the forms, all that, right? Yeah. yeah. If you cut corners or you make a bad decision and the project you just spent all week building and casting breaks, what do you have to do? How expensive is that? What is the What are the ramifications to your business, to that project, to the relationship you had with your customer that you've well, worked so hard to build. You know, and your materials aren't cheap, cheap, but they're not expensive, right? I mean, you know, you may be costing yourself, I'm going to say between 8 and $15 a square foot when everything's going in, no matter what mix you're using. Most yeah. expensive, cheapest, if it's a good GFRC mix, it's going to be somewhere between 8 and 15 bucks a square foot. Um, right. And, and, you know, so, but when you consider everything that goes into it. We talked about this last week. I mean, a 50 bucks a square foot is a good realm for your overall cost when you include labor and, and, you know, shop time and, and uh, utilities and all that. Um, And so really that, that eight to 15 bucks is kind of a, it's not a drop in the bucket, but it's a smaller percentage than your labor. And so if you've got to remake it, it can really put a huge dent in your profit margin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I want to use materials and processes that I can trust. Prove it. One of, the, one of the things that I think is very common that I've seen for many, many years, I've been guilty of it myself, is I as a maker, I as a industry leader, I as a teacher, I as, uh, you know, somebody who's doing this, I'm going to be making... Uh, countertops are very good friends of mine project. I mean, they, their projects is still in development, but when it comes to it, I help them make their kitchen. I've done their, one of their powder room. We're doing their master bath vanity, you know, so it's a project that will be happening. It's just a matter of when, right? It's very easy to look through the lens of acquiring materials and doing things as if you were a homeowner doing it yourself as a do it yourselfer, right? I grew up in the seventies where, you know, this old house, that TV show, put in sweat equity, you know, you're looking for the best bang for your buck, that whole mentality of saving money. That's very powerful. It's a very, very powerful mindset, but that can lead you to make maybe not the best decisions. So if I try to save money by, you know, cutting corners here or skipping this there or using a cheaper sealer or maybe not going to class and just watching YouTube or maybe I'm going to not tell my customers that it's going to take three weeks to finish, but I'm going to say it's only going to take a week and I'm going to rush and I'm going to demold that piece too soon, right? Every one of those 
well-meaning but bad decisions are going to cost you thousands of dollars. I'll tell you, as somebody who struggles very much with, you know, the concept of people pleasing, it's a, you know, I really struggle because I want to get done, something done, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, here's a, here's a great example. I, uh, I have a big job right now that we're close to finishing. Um, client is phenomenal. I mean, honestly, one of the best clients I've worked with from an ease of, um, you know, ease of working with standpoint, you know, he, he tries really hard to understand our process. He's super grateful. He's really excited about the pieces. Like this is your ideal client. Right. And, um, but you know, he wanted the, these pieces, um, by the end of the year last year, which has obviously not happened. Um, and what I told him, you know, was, I was like, look, listen, you know, I wrote him an email and I said, you know, here's sort of the timeline of events. We really didn't, there was a lot of stuff that was still in flux until mid December. And this is a very large project. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to happen. And, and the main reason for that is that if I have to ever make it, and I say this to my clients, I said this almost verbatim. If I have to make a choice between speed and quality, I'm going to choose quality every time. And I'm not going to, I'm not, that's just not a choice for me because my quality and my reputation's on the line here. And at the end of the day, a couple of weeks to you may seem like a lot right now, but in a mm-hmm. year, you'll be so glad you waited. Right. And they'll, 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 they'll forget a minor delay for long-term satisfaction. A hundred percent of the time. And, and honestly, even in the moment, I mean, he, he emailed back and I was really trepidatious about this email because I get really uptight about, I want to, you know, not only do right. I want to please my clients, but I want them to understand that I care on a really deep level. And so, you know, when he came back and said, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the kind of artisan that we really wanted to, to work with in the first place. So I appreciate you saying that. And this information helps me a lot in my planning, you know, for this restaurant opening. And so to get a response like that was really validating. And I think for, for us as artisans, you know, um, you know, don't be afraid to send the, well, I'm afraid to send that email 10 years, 11 years in, but don't be afraid to send that email because the reality is if you tell your clients the truth and you keep them updated and communicate with them, they'll appreciate it. They'll they'll keep coming back to you. I promise. That's the best thing. That's the best advice you can give. Um, You should definitely be proud of yourself for doing that. That takes a lot of guts to, to do that because the risk is, they get mad and say, well, forget it. Project's off, right? And you've got a lot, that's a bit, that's a huge project for you. Um, that's going to be a big feather in your cap when it's done. That and that's a lot of risk. Stoked about it. We've got, we've got a shipping day and, and he's so happy. I mean, he, the, the text yeah. he sends me is like, we, we appreciate what you're doing for us. And I'm like, man, I appreciate, you know, how kind you are as a client, because this is a big deal for both of us. Right. You know, it's a big feather in his cap. He's going for his third Michelin star. Um, and so this is a big deal for him. And it's a big deal for me because I get to be a part of something so cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And, and so when, when you take all that together, like we've been talking, talking about a lot of different things this, this afternoon, it's the yeah. afternoon today, right now. Um, We're all in place with our recording times, aren't we? <laughs> right. Right. It makes it interesting, right? Of course, if you watch this today, tomorrow, next week, next year, 
It doesn't matter, right? Just like a small delay doesn't matter. The, the, I was thinking about this the other day. As an industry, like what we do is really cool because we kind of create things that are, we're almost like special effects artists. There's, yeah. we, you know, somebody, whether it's you, whether it's a designer, whether it's a, a homeowner, whether it's, you know, some other professional who wants a, a, a piece of concrete for themselves or pieces, whatever they are, cladding, furniture, tables, sculpture, whatever, right? We make that happen. We bring imagination to life. We, we solidify emotional satisfaction, right? We crystallize it kind of literally into something people get passionate about. They, they crave concrete. They, and, and they come to us just like you're going to come to us to fulfill that vision. Now we as CCI, not lost in design, but CCI are our, our mission, our, our vision is to teach as many people as we can to do this, to fulfill this craving, this latent craving that's, that's there. It, it's not going away. Like the undercurrent of people wanting, you, you show, you talk, you, you, like you, I'm talking about to our audience, you are our anonymous audience. You go to a bar, you go to a restaurant, you go to a wedding, you go to a birthday party, you go to a business luncheon and you talk to people about, hey, I'm going to make cool concrete. I'm going to make stuff out of concrete like chairs and furniture and countertops and wall panels and this, that, and the other thing and tubs. And nine times out of 10, people are going to be just absolutely floored. It's like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. That's so cool. And then that sparks curiosity, right? So there's this undercurrent that's of, of interest, of desire. Like that's your market. It's like deep oil fields. You just have to, you know, figure out where to, where do you want to be and tap into it. Definitely. And we're there to help you do that. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things, you know, we, we, we don't compress it. I mean, we compress it as much as we can, but I mean, honestly, five days is as compressed as, as you want it to be as a student, right? Because but here's the advantage that only CCI offers. You get, absolutely reliable lifetime support from us yeah it's not you know techno babble that confuses you or half an hour 45 minute phone calls that basically make you feel like you are the one at fault but you never got your answers questioned it's real technical support you did get your answers questions <laughs> right right um, yeah. And, and that's the, you know, yeah. I have folks that call me all the time and, you know, it's like, I want to sit there and talk to you and troubleshoot your, you know, your questions and, you know, figure out what the, the, the case might be. And, uh, and, you know, if you want, if you need help developing a color, like I want to help with that, you know, Jeff and I are both pretty good at colors. And so, yeah. um, you know, I, I had a client that, Wanted me to match. I mean, I have clients wanting me to match a color all the time. And like this one, this is a color match. And 
you know, she trusts me to match. A, she literally sent me a picture and said, can you match this color? Mm-hmm. She trusts me to the point where she knows I'm going to match it and then make the project. And so there's not a revision process because she trusts. And again, that's what the relationship thing. Right. Um, and, and that's what we're going to drive home in, in the class, right? Like it's what 20, maybe 25% understanding your material. And that 25% is so critical, but then the rest of it is understanding how to run your company and how to develop real authentic life, you know, long-term relationships with these people so that you can mutually solve each other's mm-hmm. problem because right. it's a community. And that's what CCI, I think uniquely is positioned to do because we've done it. You know, Jeff and I have both spent at this point, decades of our lives, um, developing those connections and relationships such that we can solve those problems for each other. And we want to do that for you. We want to mm-hmm. help you with that. And, you know, I think that's what sets us apart a little bit is the authenticity because, you know, we're, we, we, we preach a lot on our podcast, right. But we really do do it out of a, out of a passion and a desire to help you succeed. Absolutely right. And uh, just incidentally, I can hear you, but I can't see you. So maybe that's just me. It'll come back. It'll be fine. (laughs) The perils of being on the road. There you go. You're back. See, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm driving my desk today. I'm, I'm like, I'm in my office driving my desk on my big screen with my microphone and, and my, my, my 4k camera. And of course it's, slow to focus but um anyway you know years ago cci has gone through a lot of different changes you know in the early days it was focused on one kind of mix it was a stiff sand pack stiff hand packs all sand mix that used uh block ladder wire to reinforce it so that that's how you can make non-thick Inch and a half was considered thin, thin concrete countertops. And then as GFRC got in, introduced, um, now, well, in between that, there was more wet cast. So I, I introduced uh, my, my precast wet cast mix, which also still needed to be steel reinforced, but it was more of a, a high compressive strength aggregate based mix. And then GFRC got introduced and then that became a, the sort of the new thing, but I still still taught the other ones too. And as time has gone on, as, as the materials and the techniques and the, the available um, possible ways that you can manipulate this material has grown and expanded. It's like a, it's like a big um, like river Delta keeps expanding. So I, I've been way, not at the, at the wellspring at the very beginning, but I wasn't too far downstream to start to see things branch. And nowadays, there's so many different possibilities, right? And there was a point in time, probably five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, probably, probably, actually, it was more like seven years ago, that I really started to see the need for real ingredients and real materials that we as artisans can absolutely count on. Because the things we're doing, as we keep talking about this, the things we're doing 
are much broader and the potential for different designs are so great and the need for uh, consistency and versatility and strength. And strength really comes down to confidence, right? Because if you have a, if you have confidence in your material and your material does what you want it to do every time and it doesn't fail, it's strong enough, right? A lot well, of people ask, well, what's the strength of your concrete? I don't good. really know because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, right? Well, and it matters flexurally. It, it do doesn't know. matter because I don't have any issues. I don't have right. breakage. I don't have shrinkage. I don't have curling. I don't have cracking. Right. Right. Even for the right. even for the very very high performance things I do. So when I started developing products like first Omega the sealer and then Ovation, another sealer, and then the Alpha line, the the polymer first with the fluidizer the super plasticizer and then a defoamer for folks who don't use alpha polymer. Um, you know, that was, I need, saw a need for it. And then developing alpha admix that has alpha polymer in it, a cocktail of hand select graded poslins that produce incredibly high early strengths and meet all the technical specifications that ultra high performance concrete is, is used. You know, the, the, the techniques of designing an ultra high performance concrete um, mix design, you know, I have hundreds of technical papers on all those from for the last probably 15, 10, 10 years, let's say. Well, and Jeff, um, if I can interject and touch on reliability for a second, because it's really important uh, that when you are selecting, again, as a business, as a DIYer, you know, you're, you're purchasing something once, maybe twice. So I get yeah. it. You can kind of go whatever direction you want. But as an artisan, if you're doing this as a business, um, I really encourage you to do some research on not only the products, but the companies, because, mm -hmm. you know, something you're never going to find from CCI is, oh, hey, Facebook announcement, I'm going on vacation, so you can't order your product for two weeks. Right. That's that's death to, to somebody who is needing to cast something or seal something or whatever. Um, and, and that's a hobby level not, business serving a professional and didn't foresee the need, you know, to order something then because they weren't low and didn't realize that the maker of the thing that they rely on for their company was going to be gone for two weeks and unable to ship anything. I just don't think that's right. And so, you know, if that rings a bell for you, then then maybe it's time to consider changing materials, because that to me is not reliable. If you use a product whether and we've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it again because I've been I've been dealing with this since the in industry started and cert definitely certainly since 2005 when certain sealers came on the market if your business depends on an ingredient to perform and that ingredient a changes all the time and b never actually consistently does what you think it's going to do right. you're a fool to rely on that that's well, that's a very controversial statement but well you but were when, you were fooled in, to in believe market, in it you know if if somebody is promoting something and they say well this is the best stuff since sliced bread but if you buy this other product to put 
then it'll make it work better. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It should be standalone, right? Like, we're not saying, hey, put Ovation over Omega because it makes Omega work better. That's right. not how that works. We're saying, you know, we can augment Sheen by putting something over something else. We can augment uh, Color Enhancement by putting something under something else. But the performance is all the one Omega product. The yeah. performance, you know, and so, you know, to take it and say, well, this is the best thing since sliced bread, but it only works if you go and buy this separate thing and put this separate thing on top of this other thing. Well, then you're relying on the second thing, not the first thing. And, right. and that's an iffy thing because what's the chemistry? What's it doing? What is, you know, we don't know. And, and why does it need that Band-Aid in the first place? That's a great question. When, rather, when that Band-Aid is... things that don't need Band-Aids. I'd yeah. rather rely on things that don't give me you know, that don't go on vacation. That's, you know, it's why my forklift is an invaluable part of my business. It doesn't go on vacation. It doesn't get sick. Right. Um, when you, know, when, when you I build a relationship. Order, it gets shipped that day. You know, right. when I call to order alpha, it gets shipped that day because we're dealing with professionals. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, we have a fulfillment warehouse. It's not Back coming out ship. of your garage, dude. Or, orders come in, they go out all the time. So, so getting back to the relationships. So you've spent a long time building relationships, you know, over the last 10 years, 11 years coming up. Yep. And your customers basically depend on you. They trust you to give them things, countertops, wall panels, furniture, whatever, right? Things that do what you say they're going to do, right? You set the expectation. And that, that's, a, that's an important part of the things we talk about in class are you as the manufacturer, you decide all the ways and the things that your products can do. And you set the expectations to your customer. You never want your customer to assume the expectations. Like right. what the, they're going to assume what it should do. No, you're the one who sets those expectations. And... To, in order to set expectations for, let's say, for instance, I'm making countertops because that's kind of the the the, the product uh, that runs through the thread that runs through this entire industry are, are kitchen countertops. So it's a great great example, right? It's not the only example, but it's the great example, right? All the things that can happen on a kitchen countertop: hot, cold, wet, oil, acids, food things, you name it, right? You have to set the expectations to your customers that hey. I do these things to my concrete, whatever they are. And when you receive them, you can use them. And as long as you respect the material and take care of them in the way that I outline and you accept that, everything's going to be good. Now, well, the, I, the yeah. only way, and I'm almost done, the only way you can do that is everything you use stays consistent. Because if I'm going to pick a color, I'm going to buy Acme Blue Concrete because I found them on the web, the internet and I thought, wow, it's a great color, right? I buy that, that blue and it makes a beautiful blue. And then the next time I order it, it's the same, it's called the same thing, same serial number, same model number, whatever you want to call it. I get it. It doesn't make the same color. It makes greenish blue. It's not it's not blue, blue. It's, it's greenish blue. It's different, but right. they say it's the same. Can I trust that? 
And how can I deliver a good product to my customer if they're expecting one thing and I give them something that I didn't wasn't even expecting? So it's fine for hobbyists to kind of do this on their own and just, you know, play around. But when you're building a business that you you are depending on and your employees are depending on, it's your responsibility, really, because I'm speaking to business owner to business owner or future business owner. Every decision you make as a business owner has implications, not just for this project, but for the livelihood of your family as well as your employee's family. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility behind it. No, I agree. And and I think too, on the expectations front, you know, right, it is my job to set expectations to the client. The flip side of that is I want to be able to set expectations I can live with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when when somebody tells me, hey, you know, what's the, or asks me, what's the heat rating on your ceiling? I yep. say to and it's a somewhat nuanced answer. I say to them, I don't recommend putting hot things on your countertop. However, our sealer was tested and rated to 500 degrees. I cannot answer what the pigment in your concrete is going to do at 500 degrees because I don't have that right. test. I can't answer what the sealer will do. And so I still recommend a trivet. But I know for a fact that our sealer can handle it. And, you know, but that's not anecdotal. It's been tested. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, I can trust that it's not going to change, that I'm going to get it if I order it and mm-hmm. it's perform, perform how it says it will. And thus right. I can build a, a set of expectations for my client off of that information that's been tested. And so, you know, it's really important that you be able to, as a business, trust your vendors and trust that they care. And trust that they're, you know, not just making the stuff in their garage or whatever. Um, and just you like know, you can trust us because I, we I don't, great, but, we don't pretend to be engineers. We are one, or well, I you, am one. You am one. <laughs> I am one. I am uh, one. I is one. Um, too bizarre. Um, and yeah, but you know, we don't pretend to make things. As a company, we do because. What are you doing right now? <laughs> You're installing yeah, a big project that you did. Since November, 10,000 pounds of concrete has been made in my studio. Since November, last, yeah. That's, so that's, quite last, an, that's quite a lot. The last couple of weeks, I think uh, this one project is close to 5,000 pounds of concrete. That Not the one on the back of my trailer, but the one yeah. in my shop right now. Um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. we make a lot of concrete. And... Um, I believe in the success of this industry so deeply that I'm taking time out of a schedule that is quite full, to be honest, to invest in what I believe to be the future. You know, um, I, I believe well, the type you, of training that we you're do, making a decision. Like- you're making a decision and an affirmation that is the exact same decision and affirmation I made when I started CCI yep. 20 years ago. Absolutely. It's, you know, the, the, the health and prosperity and growth of this industry as a whole depends on every single person who makes concrete to make the best concrete that they can. 
And there are too many examples of really bad stuff out there. I mean, it's, you know, sidewalk contractors going to Home Depot and making overwatered stuff. And and that's like the really bad example. But as we were kind of talking about just now, it's it's the the shady snake oil salespeople who are selling promises that their products can't live up to. And when people build their businesses on those shaky foundations of deception, that's really going to hurt people. And like you said before, maybe maybe they can get away with it because they're not pushing the envelope. But sooner or later, the envelope, the edge of that envelope will will rear its ugly head and something bad is going to happen. A piece is going to break. Um, stains are going to happen. Uh, and so slabs are going to get cracked and scatter as they're being installed. Yeah. So I think the promise that we're making is not that, you know, our little, you know, that our products are going to solve every one of your problems. No, I don't think that's the case. But what we are promising is that by investing in yourself and investing in real practiced, tried, true knowledge, that you can start to solve your own problems. Right. And, and I, I that's, that's, that's really an important point. Um, and CCI was founded on, certainly on technical knowledge, right? But it was also te- founded on trust and respect. Yeah. And we respect your intelligence. We respect your decision-making. And we respect you and your intentions for what you want to do with your business. It's yeah. not our job to tell you what colors to make or what finishes are or not appropriate or anything like that. That's that's your business. But it is our responsibility to give you the guidance and the big picture that only experts can give. And experts that have been doing this for a long, long time, both in terms of technical background and physical actually making things and and dealing with customers and building the relationships and building successful businesses that actually produce concrete every single day. That's what we can do. And that's what we've always done. And that's what we always will do. I think it's a great place to end. Absolutely. Classes, links and such will be in the description of the video. Um, but they are February 8th and 9th, which is a Thursday and Friday uh, in Canton, North Carolina at my studio. Um, and then the following week, we're rolling right into Ultimate. So um, February 12th through 16th. Uh, some really cool projects uh, to, to kind of unveil. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a little teaser bombshell in that. I mentioned it to you before, earlier today. Okay. End of this video. It only... The only, it, it's the first preview, you guys who stuck around this long, we're doing a post-tension countertop. Yeah, we a are. Correctly, a correctly done post-tension countertop. Not not all the other stuff you see online. It's done yeah. right. So come out and see us and learn how to do it correctly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go. And uh, you'll see us next week. Definitely. All right. Take care, guys. Well, there you go.
Thanks for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast. If you liked the content and want to hear more, please like and subscribe. Uh, Feel free to follow us on YouTube as well as Instagram, Facebook, and check out the website, www.concretecountertopinstitute.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming classes. Tune in next week for more informative content. Thanks.